Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our show presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today will be Sam Phelan. We'll talk Vanderbilt basketball and specifically the impact of Rodney Chapman on his return, which happened Saturday against Austin P. Our guest line presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Sam Phelan. Sam Phelan joins us. Sam is our basketball writer and podcaster at VanitySports.com. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Chris. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Interesting time. Lots of games ahead. Vanderbilt will be playing in Hawaii here in a couple of days. you got games all over the country. You have some crazy results around the SEC. But on the Vandy side, the thing we've been waiting for really has been the return of Rodney Chapman. Vanderbilt finally got him back in, what was it, game 10 and I know the box score wasn't much but you felt like he made a contribution that very much transcended what the box score showed would you mind explaining that please yeah Chris um you know I think if you didn't tune into the game against Austin P you just kind of looked at the box score saw what happened you know you might be a little disappointed Rodney playing 16 minutes only having two points on four shots but um, I think for those of us watching, it was very clear how effective the offense was with him on the floor. Um, and I honestly it was really refreshing for me, um, having watched all the games, I'm sure for a lot of Vandy fans out there to kind of see Rodney's impact play out because it's the style of basketball that we've been just dying to see um, out of the Commodore so far this year. He was uh, as I, I wrote it after the game, but he was just kind of a floor general out on the court. Um, a lot of penetration coming while he was there, getting to the rim, settling, uh, not settling for three pointers or contested looks, but really getting layups, getting some more motion. Um, and it just felt really good to have a true point guard. And uh, it definitely felt like when Rodney was on the floor, there was a lot more life, a lot more energy in the team and in the offense. And they were able to run something that was a little bit more fluid and looked like a complete offense, contrary to what we've been seeing um, in recent games. What I'm really curious, and I don't know if you got a sense, I have not heard Jerry Stackhouse's post-game press conference. I was at a wedding, so my following of the game was just limited to what I could hear on the radio going to that. But I know he played 16 minutes, as you said. I'm wondering if that was easing him back in, the fact they were blowing Austin P out, a combination of the two. I'm really curious what his role will be in Hawaii, how many minutes he can play. Did you get any sense of that from what you watched or what you uh, what your conversation was like with Jerry Stackhouse? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be gradual, um, as most of these things are, especially with something like a knee. Uh, that's really not something you want to mess with too much. Uh, but I do think Jerry Stackhouse was very 
interested in seeing how Rodney performed, you know, like, I don't think anybody really expected to have him back for Austin P. We got about 20 minutes before the game and started seeing him warming up on the court and realizing, Hey, he's going to suit up tonight. Um, but I do think a note, Chris, is he played five minutes in the first half um, and got 11 minutes in the second half and all 11 second half minutes were consecutive. So I do think there was a little bit of trial and error there on Stack's part of just uh getting Rodney in, seeing how he looked and how he felt. Um, and then in the second half, kind of giving him more consistent minutes and seeing how durable uh, his legs could be and how much he could run. So I do think you might, you'll see him more and more kind of working in and acclimating him with the offense, but ultimately the goal is for him to be the starter. And I think that's probably the goal by the new year. When you hit SEC play, you want him to be out there with Pippen running the points and just active in that backcourt. So I think that's the ultimate goal. That's what Stack's been talking about all year long, especially uh, with kind of underwhelming performances recently from Tyron Lawrence. Uh, Zoni looked good. Gabe Dorsey has been looking good, but neither one of those guys you think is going to be as consistent of a playmaker as Rodney. So I do expect him to be the, uh, the every game starter by the new year and by SEC play. But yeah, look for Hawaii just kind of maybe an, minute increase kind of gradually as he goes throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, anytime a player like that comes back, it affects minutes for other guys. We'll get into that in just a minute. But let's say when he's on the floor, he's a guy that can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. Maybe what he does depends on whether Scottie Pippen's in there or not. And maybe it depends on that and maybe how gassed Scottie Pippen is at the moment. But in terms of role on the floor when he's there, what do you think that's going to look like? I think he's the point guard. I, I think he's the guy on the ball. Just from what I saw, it looked like, one, that was where he was most comfortable. And two, I thought Scotty looked really good uh, playing off the ball. I think this was the vision that Stack had at the beginning of the season when he mentioned Scotty maybe being off ball a little bit more, where you can still work him the ball and work him open shots, but he doesn't have to be creating his own shot off the dribble all the time. And I think this is the vision, but they needed Rodney to execute it. Trey Thomas and Tyron Lawrence weren't really getting it done as the point guard with Scotty, but I thought he looked really comfortable. I thought all the other guards looked really comfortable too. I mean, it's no coincidence that Trey Thomas had one of his best shooting nights of the season, finally cashing in from deep. Um, and a lot of those coming in the second half while he was playing with Chapman out on the floor. So I do think that there is a, just a lot more fluidity. Um, like I said, it was an inside out kind of approach, working the ball down low a lot. Quentin Melora Brown with the double double against Austin P um, and getting the ball into the paint, freed up Scotty, freed up Jordan, freed up Trey to knock down some open shots from three and kind of get some rhythm back on. So I would say his role, if he's in the game, when he's on the floor, I think he's a primary point guard, and I think you want the ball in his hands to start possessions most of the time, um, unless you're just running an isolation look with Pippen. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, give him the ball. Now, that's interesting. I didn't expect that to be the case, but the way you talk about it, I think you believe that's the right call for them. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. 
but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think he he's the best distributor on the team and I like not taking anything away from any of these other guys. I think Scotty does a good job as a passer too at a lot of times, but um Rodney's not going to be the type of guy that's going for twenty points per game. He wasn't that player at Dayton. He's never been that player in his collegiate career, but He's just a guy who does things well. And, and as a guy who can has basketball knowledge, can run the offense, I want to see him with the ball in his hands, making space for everybody else and making the decisions in terms of where the ball goes. I think he's good at working off the pick and roll. We saw that a lot against Austin P. He's good at getting the ball down in the paint. And he's good at making these quick passes to the perimeter that aren't the lazy cross-court passes Vanderbilt has been accustomed to making. There was a lot of times he'd work off the pick and roll and go down low, work off the pick and roll, go down low. And then after he did it a few times, would just find somebody open on the perimeter for a nice look. Um, again, only two assists, but I think if you rewatch the Austin P game and you look at his 16 minutes, um, they were just truly impactful minutes. You know, I wrote about his final numbers in my post game write up, but he was plus 15 in 16 minutes. And then in, in those 16 minutes, Vanderbilt went for 37 points. So I, I think for a team that is struggling offensively, um, him being in charge of kind of where things go and allowing other guys to kind of focus more on filling up the basket and scoring uh, really helped them find, be more comfortable and find more points. Now, defense was supposed to be his forte. What did you see out of him immediately against Austin P? Yeah, I mean, I think he really fed off of everybody else. Uh, he fits right in with this group, kind of like uh, we, we've been saying how aggressive they are. They come in with these traps. They come with quick hands. Uh, they can guard just about every position pretty well. The good shot blockers. That's been the story. Uh, but I think Rodney also brings a lot of size, 6'1", 215. That's something that uh, you don't have with some of the other guards on the team. Trey Thomas is obviously a little bit undersized. Tyron Lawrence has the, the length, but not as much of the weight. Um, as Rodney has. So I do think he does well um, as a defender on this team, fits right in with the aggression, the good hands, the quickness. Um, and then I think as well, as I've been saying all year, off the fast break, they've been lacking a little bit of that unselfish, like selfless passer that can distribute, make sure that they're making the extra pass and feeding somebody. And I think he does that really well. So uh, when he is on the defensive end, if they're forcing turnovers, he's a guy you can get the ball to in transition. Trust him to make an easy read and get an open bucket. What's your guess of how many minutes he's going to average from here till the rest of the season? Oh man, that's a tough one. I, I I think it I think it depends a lot on 
for the rest of the season is a little bit tough. I think you'll see him getting pretty, uh, pretty comparable numbers to Pippen and Jordan by uh, a, a little bit into SEC play around 25 minutes a game. Um, I think you might see a bump up depending on how Hawaii goes. Again, like you said, it depends on, um, you know, are they blowing buddy, everybody out? Are they emptying the bench? Is it, is it crunch time? But I do think Stack really likes this guy, and he wants him on the floor in crunch time. I think if there's a guy who he trusts with the ball and, and running the offense and um, helping Scotty out there late in the game or being on defense late in the game, it's going to be Rodney Chapman going forward. So don't be surprised if he's got 20 minutes uh, on Wednesday against Hawaii and that works up and he's an everyday starter getting minutes with Pippen and Jordan and um, being one of their main, kind of the third headed dragon of that big three, at least until Liam comes back. Yeah, 25 was exactly the number that I had in mind. But here's the thing now. If a guy gains 25 minutes, you've got to take 25 away from other players. Who do you think gets docked playing time and where? Oh, I, Right now, I think it's a position battle, to be honest with you. Obviously, Scotty's out here to stay, um, and, and you, you like working Rodney in, but I think You've got four guards and Trey Thomas, Tyron Moore, and Shane Dizoni, Gabe Dorsey, that have all been getting similar playing time recently because I think Stack really wants to see, hey, guys, we're. it's another comment he made before the Austin P game of wanting to get better sooner. Um, he, he consistently throughout his time at Vanderbilt, the team has gotten better later into the year. They've surprised some SEC teams. They've, they've been playing competitive games he wants those games to matter and he knows that they have to put the foot on the gas now. And so uh, these guys are earning it. You know, Shane Dizoni played well, Trey Thomas played well in the last game, but if Trey Thomas isn't shooting it, it's going to be him. You know, if Gabe Dorsey isn't uh, being efficient out there and is getting outplayed, it's going to be him. But I, I think these next few games leading up to the new year, he's going to work Thomas Lawrence, Dizoni and Dorsey all into the offense. Um, and whoever separates themselves is going to earn those playing time, that playing time um, on the second unit. Um, and it'll be a drastic drop. If I had to guess now, I'd say Thomas probably has a leg up just being a veteran. Um, and, and you know that he can shoot. He hasn't so far this year, but you know he's proven that he can. I think the first guy I would see maybe take a seat is either Dorsey or Dizoni, just one of the freshmen. Uh, lack of experience. Um, uh, honestly, Shane Dizoni hadn't performed very well from the floor until the last game. So maybe this was a little bit of a kick in the butt for him and a little wake up call. Uh, but I do think right now it's kind of open and it's a competition and Stackhouse wants these guys to earn it. What are you looking for out of them in Hawaii? Hawaii, I, you know, I'd like to see just building blocks. Uh, you know, it was, it was a frustrating series of games over the last three um, Loyola, SMU, Temple losses that were just kind of unacceptable. Those were kind of the games that are going to matter in March. And Hawaii, you're going to be kind of in the same same area, playing some competitive Division One teams. They need to beat Hawaii. You know, Hawaii is a team that you you have to take advantage of on your schedule. They're they're four and three. They haven't played the steepest of competitions. They're very beatable out in the Big West. Um, that's a team that they need to win. They need to win that game. 
Um, the second game, you're probably going to get BYU. You get the winner of BYU in South Florida. BYU's no joke, 9-2. and two. They've thrashed a few of the top teams in the country. They've lost a few games they probably should have won. But they're one of the one of the very best. They're going to make the tournament. So uh, that'll be a competitive game. I don't expect them to win that game. But uh, then I expect them to win a consolation game. I guess my answer would be two out of three. Uh, I want them to stay competitive. I don't want them to – the other thing, too, that I think is important, Chris, is how they play those games, how they win those games. Um, I want to see more of what I saw against Austin P because we've seen and talked about how this – isolation basketball and settling for three pointers doesn't really work. And I think it would be pretty heartbreaking and tragic for fans to just see a step back to that kind of style of offense after we saw something else really work for them and look good against Austin P. So I want to see them stay aggressive going to the basket um, and, and just kind of stay true to what they feel like could work and try and get open shots when they're allowed. But, you know, uh, go to the basket, create penetration, create opportunities on the glass, and just play hard on defense like we know they always do. Uh, but I think in, in terms of a win-loss, I'd like to see two out of three. Um, maybe you get lucky and BYU falls to South Florida and you can get a little bit of a, an easier game should you uh, beat Hawaii and take care of business there. Uh, but, I, yeah, I've kind of accounted for two and three from the beginning, um, and that that should still be the standard. Yeah, and that last game would come against either Liberty, Northern Iowa, Wyoming, or Stanford. I don't know if you've gotten to see any of those teams play this year. The only one that I have seen play is Liberty. Of course, they run that matchup zone. I saw part of their game against Missouri, which was in Lynchburg, and they just blew Missouri out of the gym. I think that was like 33 to nine with two minutes left in the first half. You watch a lot of college basketball. I don't know if you had any other thoughts of any of the, of the other teams in the classic and how they might match up. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, I've seen a lot of Liberty, uh, Liberty's a, honestly, Liberty is an explosive team. You kind of know what they have. They have the star power and Darius McGee. They have the ability to hang with teams, but we've also seen Liberty kind of, uh, fall flat on their face a few times. They lost to Iona. They lost a bad one to Manhattan. They've started to pick it up recently. You know, they, they pounded Mizzou. Uh, so that, that was their first SEC game and they're looking pretty good, but uh, I don't think you're going to be looking at that. Uh, Liberty seems like the likely team. I think, I think hands down they're the best of those other four teams that are going to be on the other side of the bracket. Northern Iowa is not a good team. The Missouri Valley is kind of weak this year outside of Loyola, Chicago. Um, Drake is still somewhat competitive, but uh, I don't see any of those teams being competitive, and they're at the bottom of the Valley. So Northern Iowa, I'm not too worried about. Um, I think Vanderbilt would handle them easily. I haven't seen too much of the other two teams. You know, I'm not too familiar with Wyoming or Stanford. Stanford is obviously a, a, another traditionally steep uh, power five competition, uh, but Liberty would be tough. Uh, I don't think it's likely to get Liberty because I think they beat all three of those other teams, uh, but that'd be a tough game to win and uh, an interesting test because Liberty can hang with the best of them. And I think they're another threat, obviously to win the Atlantic sun, but also make a run, but just because of, uh, of how, how good they can be against the best competition. Yeah, Wyoming is nine and one, but none of those wins have come against decent teams. Stanford six and four losses to Baylor, Colorado, Texas, 
uh, and Santa Clara, all those away from home. Uh, the wins, it does have a win over Oregon, which is, is a decent team. So I, I haven't seen those teams play either, but if you're wondering about records and such, that's how the others have, have done so far. Yeah, and Stanford has, just has not had much success at all as a program recently under – I mean, really since their head coaching change, since, ever since Jared Haas took over at Stanford. Um, you know, no tournament appearances for them. They have a few star players that, that are thought of to be in the, in the top 100, but they don't really do anything well it, it, for, with Stanford. You know, they're, they're pretty big. They rebound okay. Um, but unlike some of these other teams, you know, when, when they went into Loyola Chicago, we knew they were going to be playing an elite defense. When they went into SMU, we knew uh, that they had a really good offense and some, some high-profile scores that could, that could fill it up quick and could shoot the ball really well. Stanford's just kind of bleh. They don't really do anything exceptionally well, um, which I actually think is a favorable matchup should it come down to to a game with Vanderbilt because the one thing that we know about the Commodores is that while they're not the most polished team, they're not the most consistent team, they do some things very well being defense and occasionally shooting the basketball from three um, which can get them hot and can get them a win. So, I, you know, I, I would be very interested in one of those matchups against Stanford. I think they're a very similar program, and uh, they would size up pretty well. Uh, but like I said, Liberty, um, that, that would be a tough one. So I think you have to kind of prey on just kind of having the chips fall their way um, on a favorable third matchup there to pad the out-of-conference schedule. Sam, appreciate you joining the podcast today. Any other parting thoughts on Vanderbilt basketball or Vanderbilt sports in general before we leave the show today? You know, uh, just kind of continuing looking for improvements. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing to stay patient when a team has not had very much success over recent years in the program. It, it's not in the best shape right now, but I, Rodney Chapman, I'm going to be honest, Chris, Rodney Chapman really gave me a new sense of hope for the team and for the program, um, just with how they looked with him on the floor. I started to see the vision that Stackhouse had at the beginning of the year for the first time, and it does make you wonder if you're a fan just going forward how much better they could get with Chapman uh, more included into the offense and just more worked into the rotation with Scotty. Um, but then also, you know, still just waiting on Liam Robbins and waiting for that presence. You know, if Quentin Malore Brown is able to put up 13 points, 14 rebounds as a beneficiary of Chapman's style of play, I can only imagine what they'd be able to do with the presence of Robbins down low. Um, and I, I'm just really looking forward and hoping we get to see that sooner rather than later. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to catching up with you after the Hawaii trip. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. 
And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.